I want to celebrate. Celebrate what? Saint Valentine's Day. Didn't know the person. And I think it was a priest a long time ago who was beheaded, and that's why we run around with beating hearts in our hands. That's usually how it goes in the Nordics, right? You start a Christian thing, and then the Nordics go all awkward and weird. I haven't seen the beating hearts part, but okay. I'm mostly with you. Cool. On a more serious note, (laughs) (laughs) at work on St. Valentine's is one of our load peaks. Oh. Yeah, because everyone wants flowers and we do transportation for florists, right? So last year, it was a... Everyone else didn't say it was a catastrophe, but in my heart, it was a catastrophe. Uh, Nothing worked. Everything was like sluggish and horrible. Our customers didn't seem to notice, which was amazing. So everyone made a stellar (laughs) job. So someone someone did the right job, but it wasn't necessarily your system. (laughs) Indeed. Compare that with this year, we had about the same load, and everything just worked smoothly. We didn't hear anything from operations. And we we even asked them, are things working? And they said, yes. Hmm. Any changes between then and now? Yeah, we kind of swapped out our system. So, you know, the, the strangling figure pattern, we did that. I've heard strangler pattern. Yeah, both of them do sound like, like serial killers from London 18th century. I wonder if there's there's a better name for this that isn't so edgelordy. Anyway, uh, what we did was that we uh, used the power of Phoenix to build to basically rebuild the external API again. Uh, it still looked like the old external API, kinda, uh, but this time it was built on Phoenix and it was more more standard-ish. Yeah, because you've added Postgres since then, right? Yeah, that too. That was a very important step for us being able to do. No, it wasn't really that important for us being able to do this since we we basically removed the old system. So the idea is that we build a new system that takes the, the HTTP calls, we save this stuff to the database, and then we automatically send everything over to another system that we buy as a service Hmm. uh, that does all the the hairy logistics stuff. And the hairy logistics stuff are, of course, the fun parts, but also the hard parts. Those are, that's why they are fun, I suppose. Yeah. So, uh, which also kind of explains why things went so smoothly this time, because we're using a system from someone who has been building these systems for many, 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 many years. So, and I think the load we had on the system, they didn't really notice. So, yeah. (laughs) The cool thing here is that we have replaced our bespoke, weird, elixir, cowboy thing with something more standard. And we can start building from this. And now we have something that's a data model that isn't completely... It's not optimized for doing taxi anymore. It's quite good at doing the things we do. Yeah, because it's mostly transporting packages now, right? Yep. 
So uh, that's kind of cool, and it's anticlimactic, but also it was such a relief. I could, I didn't have to work like twelve hours on Saint Valentine's. I could work a decent amount of hours instead. Had time for a good lunch. Had time for semlor. There's probably an English word for that. I'm not sure there is. Cool. Fat Tuesdays buns. That's such a cool name. I need to have that on a t-shirt. Have you had your Fat Tuesday buns, son? Uh, (laughs) I think Sir Mix-a-Lot wants to have a word with me after that. But yeah, so um, that's where I'm at. Yeah, I'm not all that invested in Fat Tuesdays buns. Nah. It's a little bit of a problem at home. Because everyone but you are. Nah, it's like mostly my wife that cares about them. I think the kids are kind of into the whipped cream. Yep. And the lid, which I think is appropriate for kids to be like into the lid because there's a decent bit of sugar on that. Yep. And then um, get more and more bored as they go through the, the whipped cream and then... By the time they get to the kind of grody part in the middle and the rest of the bun, it's like, eh, could I have a cookie? (laughs) (laughs) And my sense is, oh, uh, do you have something that's chocolate instead? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, uh, (laughs) if I could have a mud cake, that would be fabulous. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Like, I'll have them uh, if they're if they're uh, according to my diet, but I don't really care for them and I don't really care for the typical filling. So Stina has been experimenting with uh, with alternate fillings. To, this time was chocolate mousse. Uh, Ooh. The chocolate mousse did not come out perfectly. Uh, so the jury is kind of still out, but I don't think that's the right move. It should probably be a jam in there. Yeah. Uh, if you want to do chocolate, I think it's like, Make a chocolate bun and fill it with caramel or something. But yeah, mm. it's yeah. an unimpressive pastry to me. And this will make, this will mean I get a lot of enemies. Uh, but uh, people have been polite so far and accepted that, that they're not my thing. I know, I know. I want to add two things to this. First, I have a great recipe on chocolate mousse by the Swedish chef. I'll send it to you afterwards. Uh, and also, maybe you're more into the uh, Finnish semlor. Not the Finnish semlor, but the Finnish uh, buns, where they go with jam instead of um, mandelmasse. Mashed almond. Uh, yeah. yeah. Almond mass. <laughs> Almond mass. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm not big into jams, but I think it would be better. Okay. So less worse, it sounds like. Yes. It's very much a less okay. worse. Yeah. Did Did you ever consider replacing the chocolate mousse with a mud cake? That would have been ideal. Or yeah. just replacing the entire pastry with a mud cake would have been ideal. <laughs> just just a photo on the side. Like I, I could replace the entire pastry with a pizza or some fries. Like that would also be better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's almost at the level where I was like, hmm, 
is less messy to have an apple. <laughs> it is. And it's it is I have a I have a beard. It's a like Yeah, that's a problem. Committing to a semla is, is messy. Yeah. I have solved that yeah. by uh, having a semla compatible beard. Hmm. So, with that said, do you want to talk about anything else than pastries you don't enjoy? Well, no, let's dwell on that topic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, recently I have had an, a fun influx of work. So, my January was kind of crap. Um, in like my One of my clients have been winding down some of my hours since sometime December. And I had one client who lost an investor, so they wound down the work it was doing. Uh, and suddenly, I was kind of without work in one of the worst markets I've seen. Oh, no. <laughs> and it was kind of kind of uh, strained uh, for me. I did land some good work for, for some of my colleagues, which was good and a cool transition. But also, I needed to actually have, have paid hours. And suddenly, like start of February or end of January, like three clients popped up in the space of one or two weeks. So two of them are, are shorter engagements. Like I'm going to run a three-day workshop in Stockholm for a company. Lovely. That's going to be fun. And it's around like, it's Elixir Phoenix and Nerves is the topic, which is super fun because I don't get to do a ton. I haven't gotten to do a ton of professional nerves but i know nerves reasonably well yeah you have some blog posts on it right i have some blog posts on it i have built libraries with it i have yeah i've done a bunch hmm? and i also have a short engagement helping to helping a company kind of optimize their their service it's actually at some an interesting level of scale it's like oh this part of the system is taking like 1,200 messages a second uh, and need to do particular things with them. Uh, wow. That's kind of non-trivial. Yep. Uh, it's not a massive number um, by any stretch, but it's also not a massive fleet of machines or anything. Um, so it's like a situation with 150 uh, gen servers running at the same time and stuff. So it's kind of fun. Nice. to figure out like uh, performance uh, trade-offs and stuff so that's fun and then i just got a longer piece of work where i'm building stuff for well build building with nerves again so uh, this is ongoing work in the nerves space uh, that's going to be super fun, and I'm going to get to bring a colleague along. Um, so suddenly, I just have a, a cool uptick of of new novel work, which is like it's a bit to juggle, but it is also just uh, fantastically fun. Thankfully, none of these are kind of full time engagements. Yeah, <laughs> would be <laughs> would be a problem, especially if they be, overlap. Yeah, even more feast or famine. Yeah. Um so right now I am dealing with like I squared C and doing some like I I can't speak entirely freely about what I'm doing currently currently but it will be public eventually. 
but I'm essentially implementing a, a piece of hardware where there isn't an Elixir library for it yet. So, and it will be open when it's done. So nice. Yeah, that's so fun. Some embedded hardware development in Elixir. Yeah. And I, I have done that before. It's like that specifically is something I've done. Like I've, port, I've ported hardware from uh, Python to Elixir previously. And here here I had some pre-existing work to work off of. So I'm essentially taking uh, someone's first stab and then turning it into more of a library. Cool. Yeah, it's it's fun. I've I've been doing a bunch of kind of verifying that I've hooked the things up to the things. It's like, oh, these are the memory addresses and offsets and this, like these are the bits and bytes you need to mash together to, to write over I squared C. And I don't really want to have to reference the data sheet anytime, every time I want to change a setting. So I've been trying to find like a, a reasonable enough abstraction. And then when I w- was building those abstractions, I got like, mm. but if I've typed anything wrong here, that is not an error, but is a mistake. I will go insane because I will have to hunt for the missing bit. <laughs> yep. So I wrote some tests. It's like I, I gave it, I gave it some structure which could be like traversed essentially. And so like, oh, these are all the valid values that we can pass in. And assuming that we pass in a valid value, we should be getting a different binary. So this is all pure functions that just build binaries out of input data. So it's like, oh, you're sending in, let's say, uh, 320 millisecond integration time for this sensor. Yep. All right, that is represented as a zero one zero bits in in a part of a byte. That's a tricky representation. It's not like you you give it the string three twenty or something. Yeah. So what I want to be able to do is like from the programmer's interface, I just pass in three hundred and twenty. Yeah. And I want it to blow up if I'm passing it three hundred and twenty one because that's not a valid value according to the data sheet. Indeed. Which, like, I can do that with guards and stuff. Uh, or in this case, I think I, I just blow up. And so I have the values in a, in a map, in a module attribute, and I blow up if, if it can't be matched to a binary output, kind of. So I've built this whole pure module that can build the necessary binaries from slightly more high-level input. But I also wrote the tests that can kind of exhaustively check that Okay, here are all the values that can be passed in for these different fields. And if we pass each of them in, that should give us a new binary that we have not seen before. Yes. So, and that gave me some confidence. And it also found three places where I'd done myself wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And it's not a massive, it's not a massive data sheet to cover. It's not. Like this place is usually where where things just get nasty. It's like then you need lots and so lookup tables, uh, lots, and yeah, uh, usually a, bu- a bunch of song and dance. At least the the inky displays have a lot of weird calls that I'm like, I have no idea why this is done, but it's necessary apparently. But this is a more more straightforward device. Yep. <laughs> it's like let's see, it's. 
I think it's uh, eight writable registers, which is each register is 16-bit. And then if you read registers to get data out of the thing. Cool. So that's just eight times 16 times two combinations of bits you can write. And some are reserved and always ne- zeroed out. Oh, okay. Cool. So worst case, <laughs> 16 squared number of bits. Yeah. Yeah, like hardware is fun. The nerves make nerves makes it very uh, non nasty to deal with. It's like pushing new code is just like one line, and then it's like ah, now I pushed new firmware and restarted it. And most of the time, I don't even have to do that, uh, especially as I've been structuring. Like I, when you do Elixir, it's like if you build all your code into the Gen server. You're going to have to restart the gen server to ship, like to run new code, or you're going to have to do hot code updates, which is too annoying. Yep. Uh, but if you do most of the logic in uh, separate modules, turning your um, turning your calls to be uh, global rather than local, I guess, so like function calls are done using the module name, not using a local name that changes how reloads or how new code is handled so for example if i have a bunch of ways to manipulate the state or a bunch of ways to talk to the hardware that are in separate modules and i change something about how i operate on the state i can just paste that new state module right into the nerves SSH prompt, which gives, which has an IEX prompt, and it will add that module, and it will be instantly used by the Gen server because it's using that module. But if I want to change some something in the actual Gen server module, I would have to kill the process and start it again uh, after pasting. And that's kind of an an interesting little nuance. So I'm getting very very close to a very quick uh, iteration. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's the the <laughs> most hackery way of code, doing code reloading I've heard. Hot code reloading, even. Yeah, and I would feel ashamed of it if it wasn't that, like Frank Hunleth, many years ago, said like that's one of his main ways of just shipping new code when he when he's developing with hardware. Nice, uh, because it's just quick. I was like, yeah, paste this here, see if it does what it's supposed to. And sometimes you can't do it and have to like ship some ship a new piece of firmware or something, but yeah, uh, just cuts down on on the loop. Some people have also Absolutely. set up uh, hot code reloading server thingies that can actually ship new code to the device as it's being saved. That's a bit trickier, but it's doable apparently. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, but it's very it's just very fun to like tackle some new things and get to work with hardware professionally it's it's something i really enjoy fiddling with like a physical aspect to the thing it's like oh you poke it and then values change <laughs> yes push the buttons make the led blink yeah that's why I, why i sidetracked into implement like i Spent a bunch of time I should have spent on something more profitable, uh, probably just building out 
this uh, Stream Deck library for Elixir. Yeah. But it was fun. And I, I built a small project with that, that I still use. It's like that's how I turn on my my Elgato key light. And I also have recently added some pulse audio CTL support for it. Because I've had the problem that Linux would drop my audio level down from 150% on the microphone input, which is necessary for, for my microphone to be nice and audible for people. Um, yep. Something, something broadcast level microphones are crap for, uh, for like day to day computing. But since it kept doing that and dropping it, I was like, huh. I want to see when it does that. I think I actually found the setting that was causing the trouble or or something because it has stopped doing it. But I did implement a thing where I can see my input and output volumes and control them with the knobs on the thing as well. Cool. And it's like, like on Linux, it's it's so nice because you just like call some command, except figuring out what, what command you actually need to use uh, for audio on Linux was a little bit of a chore. And then it turned out like, oh, Pipewire actually integrates with all of them. So you can just pretend it's Ulsa and Pulse Audio and Pipewire and Jack, probably. <laughs> yeah, I Pipewire seems very promising. I, I still have mixed feelings about it, though, because it made me squeaky. Oh, yeah, it made you squeaky once. Yeah, but other than that, it seems nice. It seems much less messy than than Pulse Audio, for instance. Hmm. Um, it also it's one of those. It seems like it has all the interfaces, so everything else thinks that Pipewire is Alsa and Pulse Audio. Yeah, exactly. So it doesn't really integrate against them. It it's one of those. Uh, body snatcher horror movie from the 80s pulp things. Yeah, so all your old control stuff and everything that talks to also or like Pulse Audio to get its information will still get its information. It will just be lied yeah. to a little bit. Exactly. It's it's Fig the Strangler again. <laughs> he strikes again. That damn Fig. Damn Fig. Yeah. I was actually looking into... Linux audio. So if you do audio on the Mac, you really should just pay for the Rogue Amoeba bundle. Like they do audio tools for the Mac and those are the tools you want and they they tackle everything with like recording and piping audio to different things and now they support live transcription of what you're saying and like you can build cool workflows and stuff with their tools. Sweet. Uh, there's tons of interesting stuff there. But what I realized was, I don't know if this, I think this predates Pipewire. I think this is a Pulse Audio thing or a Jack thing. I'm not sure. I know Jack was a kind of plug, pluggable node-based graphy thing for audio. Yeah, it also has... It's way better at real-time and recording stuff than the other ones. Yeah, and I think Pipewire is comparable to Jack in that regard, but I'm not sure. I hope so. But there are a bunch of tools to kind of draw your audio graph or show you your audio graph in, in uh, Linux. There's also some tools that let you kind of plug in special things 
in there so you can do effect pipelines and stuff. Ooh. Of course, everything is a little bit of a mess and no one can agree on what any of it, like which ones you should use and yada, yada, yada. And there's no, there's no consensus because there's not enough people that do the thing. <laughs> but there are, there are tools and they seem to work. So there are some that I ran into where I could just, it seems like I could just bring in VSTs if I wanted to and just apply them to my voice. Ah, now we're talking. Uh, yeah, uh, which will probably introduce a decent bit of latency as well, but but it's cool. Yep. So I was happy to see that, but I like I've thought off and on about like, oh, could one try to become the rogue amoeba of Linux and just do like audio tools? Opinionated, nice, simple, clean, easy to use, and I think it's probably very hard. But the like this subsystem is there. It's like all the all the underpinnings are there, and there are projects where people have built stuff out. But of course, there's still the fact that there's infinity UI <laughs> UI frameworks, and uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe a start would be to do the command line tools. Yeah, but and do them nice. Not go the ffmpeg route, but go the nothing. No shade on FFmpeg, but you need to be an, a command line engineer to use it. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's just complicated. Yeah, so so having those simple command line tools as a start, and then building upon that. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure. So because there is already, I think, like PA control or something can add things to your to your audio graph, or I don't recall. There there are command line tools for managing this stuff i think that's how how the other tools work or at least there's c bindings and stuff to c c plus plus bindings to do all this stuff but yeah yeah i i don't really see a big upside in just building a cli for it in this case because operating like a graph ish tool in a CLI is just painful. <laughs> but yeah, try, trying to kind of get really good fundamental audio tools under Linux would be kind of nice. But yeah, no one's going to pay me to do it. So I don't know. Darn. <laughs> yeah, that's the downside. Yeah. Got to find that magic thing, the magic uh, trio magic band finding what you're good at what you enjoy doing and what people are ready to pay you for right now people are paying me to do hardware that's plenty good with for me yeah it's <laughs> i find it so luxurious so cool yeah you have to get in on this uh i was hoping at one point that your job would get back to fiddling with hardware so we've had this these advertising signs on top of some of your vehicles yep and those were some custom hardware in there yeah uh the things driving the monitors was cursed but under that it was just a raspberry pi and some custom python yeah and i think i think we could have replaced lots of that with uh nerves yeah uh, the most fascinating parts and why we had a real trouble working with it at all was that it used a 
custom, very bespoke apt server, or what the name is, okay. you know, the Debian, yeah. Debian package server. Mm. So <laughs> all of these Raspberry Pis asked it now and then, do you have a new package for me? So the way you would deploy would be to, I think, because I've never done this, because I never really got the... <laughs> it scared me too much in combination with I didn't have to do it, so I didn't do it. But you, I think you uploaded your new version of everything to the server, and then you ran the please update command, which pinged all the pies. So they updated and rebooted. So, but just finding the server among all the <laughs> projects at Google <laughs> on the Google platform was was yeah. So I've lost uh, the server, as they say. Yeah, we lost the server. It responds to ping just fine. <laughs> just can't find it in Google Cloud. Exactly. Are you sure you didn't put it in AWS? No. <laughs> I have no idea where it is. <laughs> so, yeah, it would have been amazing replacing some of the the more uh, crafty parts of that or just experimenting with it enthusiastically until I knew what parts really had to be replaced. But uh, It's one of yeah. those I try to not go with the I don't know this, therefore it must be bad Therefore, yeah, it must like, be replaced. I don't, I don't hate the idea of having apt be your deployment mechanism. It's, I kind of like it. Yeah. I just don't know how it works. Uh, I also realized that I, I just did the, I don't, don't know it, therefore it must be replaced thing. So, meh. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it would be much more fun to replace it, clearly. Absolutely. And... Yeah, then I think there would be less moving parts. I'm not sure. Yeah, but we're we're uh, getting rid of all that hardware anyway, so uh, uh, it was fun as long as it lasted, to use a Swedish proverb in English. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>